This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, helping the people of the world to live healthy lives. Welcome, everyone. This is The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you all for joining me today. My guest today is Lauren Keller. She is an integrative nurse practitioner, but she is also a root cause and chronic illness expert, joining us all the way from Barcelona, Spain. Lauren, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I always like to start my show with telling listeners a little bit about my guest because everybody always has such a fascinating story. And since we're talking about chronic illness, I'd like listeners to know a little bit about your story. My my own story is how I got into this work to begin with. Um, so I was working traditional Western medicine in the hospital system. I also delivered babies for about seven years, worked as a nurse midwife, and got really, really ill. Just for me, it was very sudden. A lot of people have very subtle symptoms and then they sort of crash. And for me, I even looking back, I don't recognize any symptoms beforehand. And I just kind of woke up one day and thought I had like a weird kind of late summer flu. Then from there, just started getting, you know, 40, 50, 60 different symptoms, Um, was essentially bed bound for about a year, year and a half and went through all of the Western medical tests and prescriptions and doctors and all the things and nothing ever helped at all. And so I finally started looking into integrative medicine and started getting some answers and was diagnosed with a number of different things, improved quite a bit with treatments, um, but then found mind-body medicine, uh, started working a lot on mental and emotional health and nervous system regulation, And that's where I really found that I got healthy after that. And so let's start by defining what is chronic illness, because that's essentially what you had in the end was the final diagnosis was chronic illness. So let's define that. What is that? And what are some of the major symptoms that someone might experience? Yeah, so anything chronic is defined as having that symptom or that disease process for longer than six months. For everybody, it's a little different. I think any chronic illness can cover a wide range of symptoms. So anywhere from chronic headaches to chronic menstrual issues, if you're a female, to, you know, head to toe symptoms. Some people have 50, 60, 70 symptoms when they come and see me. And it's interesting because in my own private practice as a chiropractor, I treat people who are in chronic pain. And one of the things that we find is that, you know, once I've done the gamut of what I know I can do from a chiropractic, you know, muscle joint nerve uh, standpoint, we always refer out to define and to get more testing done to ensure that that's not what we're dealing with. And if it is, we kind of, you know, our traffic control and send our patients to the right healthcare practitioner, because you're right, chronic illness can present differently for everyone. And being in chronic pain, I find is one of the major symptoms where there is just general malaise. And we define that by just always feeling tired, achy, and it can go from joint to joint, from area to area. Is that one of the things that you were also experiencing? Absolutely. Major chronic fatigue. I I could have slept 24 hours a day if you would just let me sleep. Um, At one point, I was sleeping around 20 hours a day, migrating joint pain, digestive issues, Um, I had issues with swallowing. So I actually lost a whole lot of weight because I wasn't able to kind of eat regular food for a while. Because chronic illness can be so so multi-systemic, 
Um, I love what you said about you refer out to other practitioners and I do as well. I refer to chiropractors all the time. Let's have your neck assessed, make sure your spine looks good. Um, and so it's very multifaceted. Um, and usually people have to treat it from multiple different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And so in your case, and I'm sure it'd be the case with many others, what do you think was the cause of your, or the factors that, you know, contributed to the, to your chronic illness state? I think for me, I, I grew up a little bit in a dysregulated family. My mom had mental, emotional health issues and was always sort of up and down emotionally. Um, and so I think as a younger child and as a teenager, that really affected my own ability to cope with my own emotions and cope with the world and how stressful it is. And so that was a piece of it for me. You know, this sort of, I didn't recognize it at the time because it felt normal, but this sort of just state of chronic stress all day, every day. On top of that, we lived in a moldy home and mold toxicity is a really big chronic diagnosis for people. I think it's become a little bit of a buzzword, uh, but people uh, don't realize how moldy some of our homes can be, especially the U.S. and Canada. We mostly build with with wood, our homes with wood, and the wood can get moldy very, very easily. If there's any leaks, you know, things need to be uh, repaired properly. I was also delivering babies, and so I was awake all night long, uh, had that, you know, sort of additional stress on top of it. And then I had also received a diagnosis of Lyme disease. Uh, back in the day through just traditional uh, blood testing. So there was a lot going on. <laughs> I, I'm glad that you said that because it emphasizes the point that it's not just one single factor that will contribute to the chronic illness. And I want to touch on the whole stress component of being ill because you know, I focus a lot on my adrenal glands because I feel like, you know, they kind of control what's happening and how my body is um, adapting to the stresses in my life. Stress is not going to go away. There are some stresses that I feel we can eliminate and control, but for the most part, we're all going to experience stress. So let's talk a little bit about adrenal glands and what role they play. How do we fortify them? I feel like it's important and we don't talk about the adrenals enough. And especially nowadays, because we are most of us in a chronic stress state without even realizing it, because it's sort of become the norm. Um, you know, people wake up stressed, they go to bed stressed, they don't sleep well because they're stressed, they're groggy during the day because they're stressed. And unfortunately, it has become like this bu buzzword as well, where people just sort of dismiss it because they're like, well, you know, it's just stress. But it's it's really more than that. You know, we now call it nervous system dysregulation because that's truly what it is, where we're just not coping well with our environment that we're in. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. We're overrun with technology all day, every day. We have our phones, we have the internet, like, you know, right at the tip of our fingers, 24 seven. We live under artificial lights. We're outside very little. We tend to work in offices. We tend to not move very much. So all of these things are major stresses on the body. Um, we also overwork. We tend to overwork. Um, one of the nice things about living in Spain is that they don't do that as much here. <laughs> uh, so I learned a different way of life here. There's still stress here as well. And all of that affects your adrenal glands, which really control our cortisol in our bodies. And um, we're supposed to have this beautiful cortisol spike when we wake up, which makes us feel energetic and alive for the day. And then that cortisol is supposed to slowly decrease as we go into the evening, as our melatonin is increasing. 
Um, but what typically happens is either people have a cortisol spike and then it stays really high through the day, um, or they've sort of gone into adrenal fatigue or adrenal failure where they don't release cortisol at all anymore. And so they just wake up tired, go to bed tired, or just tired. Um, and one of the best things, easiest, cheapest things you can do for adrenal uh, stress in terms of supplements is salt. I'm so glad you said that because most people are petrified of salt. But, you know, we're talking about the nitrates that are not good for us in certain foods that are, you know, processed. But salt, you're right, is actually a really good form of, um, it's a great mineral that you should be adding daily because you your body needs salt. Um, so I like that you said that. And is there any particular salt that you recommend? Because I know somebody will ask me this question later on. So I figured I'll just... <laughs> Um, just something that's totally iodine free if you're adding it to your water. And what about magnesium? Um, I, I'm actually one of those people that takes magnesium every single night. And I heard that it act is great to also fortify or amplify, you know, your what your adrenals are supposed to be doing. Do you recommend magnesium as well? Absolutely. I think every human on the planet's deficient in magnesium. I also take it myself every single day. Um, you want a nice blend. So there's all different kinds of magnesium. Magnesium citrate and magnesium oxide are the two that typically move your bowels. And so those aren't the most absorbable uh, types of magnesium. You want to look for magnesium glycinate, magnesium malate, magnesium bisglycinate, um, orate, taurate. Um, and there's a lot of good brands out there that sell combinations. So you can get all types of magnesiums in one capsule. And take it at night. Taking it in the evening is probably the best option because it also helps you to get a good night's sleep. So there are some magnesiums that are actually energizing, like uh, magnesium taurate or magnesium orotate. I tell people to take it in the morning because it can actually make you feel more alive. And then taking magnesium glycinate or magnesium malate at nighttime can actually help the nervous system calm down. You know, if your adrenals are not producing any more cortisol, so we know that too much cortisol is not good because it leads to chronic illness and chronic fatigue and other issues, but having not enough cortisol. So what's the proper balance and what is the negative effect of having too much or too little or not producing anymore? Yeah. So too much, generally people feel uh, anxious um, as they're going through their day or they get this tired but wired sensation in the evening. So in the morning, they'll say, no, I'm good to go, even though they're sort of running on anxiety, but don't realize it. And then, you know, I kind of crash in the evening or my where, you know, my body's really tired, but my mind is kind of racing. Um, and so they feel like they can't go to bed. And then that affects their sleep. And then over time, the more that that happens, then the body sort of gives up on you, for lack of a better word. But it, the adrenals just say, you know, I can't keep up with this amount of cortisol output. Um, you have to change your behavior. And so then your cortisol levels drop. And that's where people get into really kind of uh, more depression, chronic fatigue, low motivation. Um, and they just feel like they're, they're dragging the entire day. And it also affects um, your weight. So either weight gain, mostly weight gain. Um, and it's like the central weight gain around the gut. Is that correct? Yeah. So high cortisol levels, um, especially for women, um, we tend to gain weight around the middle, which is not normal for women to women should gain weight kind of in their butt and their thighs. That's more normal. 
Um, and so when you start gaining weight around the middle, you know that there's definitely some issues with adrenals, cortisol. So let's move on to our gut health. So there's a lot of talk around gut health. There's been a lot more awareness around why we should keep our gut microbiome healthy. Um, and you know, the gut brain access, which is really important. So that also contributes to chronic illness, because if your gut is not functioning properly, it really does affect what you're feeling emotionally. It affects the brain. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. How do we, how do we know we have an unhealthy gut microbiome and, you know, and then how do we start to correct that? Yeah. And stress actually plays into this one as well. If you're chronically stressed, you think when you have really high cortisol levels, we're supposed to have high cortisol levels when a bear is chasing us or, or when we're in imminent danger, not all day long. And so if we're having that stress response all day long, when our cortisol rises, our digestive function decreases. So when our digestive function decreases, we're eating like normal three meals a day, but uh, we're not digesting well because our body doesn't digest well under stress. That is one big thing is getting, you know, stress and adrenals under control. That will really help digestive function. Also eating on the run is so bad for your, your gut function. Um, you really, you know, people really need to sit down to eat, calm their body down, get it prepared to sort of accept food and digest food well. Um, and then in terms of, you know, toxicity, there's a whole number of glyphosate. So the pesticide that we use on all of our fruits and veggies, um, really affects gut function. Mold toxicity affects gut function. Um, lack of nutrition in our food because it's growing in soil that's really depleted. So we're not getting as many probiotics and prebiotics and minerals from our food. Um, so all of that goes into digestive function as well. But honestly, the number one thing that I see with people is really they are eating on the go. They're eating when they're super stressed out. You know, they're getting the kids ready. They're, they're doing, you know, 45 things while they're just taking bites of food. And then they wonder why their their stomach doesn't feel good after they eat. I'm like, okay, well, let's just, you know, start at the very basics here and just have a better eating routine. And then let's see where your gut ends up. And if you're still having gut dysfunction, then we can look into some of these, you know, higher, higher up things. I have to admit, I'm kind of guilty of the on the go eating. Although I make healthy choices, it's like, yeah, I'm I'm popping in a piece of fruit or I'm having my lunch on the go. Not exactly the best. Um, and I'm working on that. So thank you for reminding me of that. When we come back, more tips from Lauren and um, sleep and why I think it's so important. This is the Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Connect with us on Twitter at 105.9 The Region or call 416-335-1059 or email info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, helping the people of the world to live healthy lives. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. So we are discussing how to avoid chronic illness with Lauren all the way from Barcelona, Spain. And one of my favorite things to do is sleep. So Lauren, let's talk about why sleep is important uh, in preventing chronic illness. Sleep is one of the most important things in living a healthy lifestyle, um, and nobody gets enough of it. 
So generally women need between eight and nine hours and men need between seven and eight hours of sleep per night. Um, and uh, most people's sleep are now affected by a lot of things. One is technology. Most people are watching the TV at nighttime, looking at their computer at nighttime, looking at their phone, looking at their phone in bed. Oof, the worst. Um, and that, that blue light that we receive from technology actually lowers our melatonin levels. And when our melatonin levels lower, we don't go into proper deep sleep, you know, piggybacking on all the chronic stress. If your cortisol is really high, it also makes it really hard to sleep because the body's really ramped up at nighttime. Um, and so it can't, the nervous system can't calm down enough to get into that deep sleep. So people will say you know, I'm kind of sleeping, but I wake up a lot of times in the middle of the night or I, I kind of in that really light sleep. I don't ever get into that true deep sleep and then feel rested in the morning. First thing I work on with people is just the the basics of a good proper sleep hygiene routine, you know, uh, turning the lights down at nighttime, uh, using candles or, or red light lamps so that you're not getting that blue blue light exposure from lighting not being on technology two hours before bed, and then having like a good routine, a meditation at nighttime, gentle stretching, reading, just something to kind of calm the system down before you go to bed. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say the red light. So let's backtrack to that a little bit. Um, red light, you can use a red light while you're sleeping or just as you're trying to get into your sleep mode. You can do one of two things. You can get uh, red light glasses. They're blue light blocking glasses. They look really goofy. They have red lenses. Um, if you need to have the lights on or you have a partner that's not willing to change the lights out, you can wear the blue light blocking glasses. The other option, if you want sort of the next step up, uh, which is what we did in our house, is we actually changed our light bulbs out. Instead of white, there's red light bulbs. So when we turn the lights on, it's red and it's very calming to the nervous system. And you can just leave the lights on for a couple of minutes before going to bed? Yeah, I just use them as soon as the sun goes down and you need to turn on lights in order to see. I just have the whole house has red lights in it instead of white. And so I don't have to wear the glasses and it improved my sleep so much when I made the switch. That's amazing. I didn't know that. I'm definitely going to try that. That's incredible information. Um, let's talk about melatonin. That's an important, um, people ask about it all the time. People try to use it and it's, it's great. I know it's great when you're feeling jet lagged to kind of get you back on track, but it's not great to use long term. And let's talk about why. So, so melatonin has gotten a bad rap over the years and it's really restricted in a lot of countries. And I always think, oh, you know, it's restricted because it really works well. Um, I never like for people to have to use something for the rest of their life. That means obviously, you know, there's some dysfunction and we need to work on that. Um, but melatonin can be a really great way to flip flop your cortisol and melatonin. So using something in the morning to help you boost cortisol and then the melatonin in the evening to help boost your melatonin. Um, can help with this switch if people are feeling kind of wired but tired at nighttime. And melatonin actually doesn't have a negative feedback loop in the body, meaning that you can't actually build up a tolerance to melatonin. It's actually one of the biggest lies out there, but everybody says it. It's, it's, it's everywhere. You can't use it long term. It's addictive. Your body won't produce its own melatonin later. And it's not true. I've actually had patients use um, melatonin in extremely high quantities 
and they come off of it just fine. So melatonin actually is involved in over 5,000 different functions in the body, uh, not just sleep. And so it's a powerful antioxidant. Um, it really helps detoxification quite a lot. Um, people with mold toxicity often have very low melatonin levels. So supplementing with it for a while can be very helpful. We know that stress is a huge contributor to, you know, chronic illness. But you also say that stress is a habit that can be unlearned. I love that. So let's talk about how we can unlearn uh, being stressed out and then obviously being chronically ill. So I love those tips that you provide on your social media. So let's share that with all the listeners. It's not easy, right? Because we do. This is sort of the way our society is built around stress. We... um you know, have to make a certain amount of money. We have to work a certain amount of hours. We have to take care of the kids. And we live a, a sort of life that's not the way that we used to live, which was more in communities where we had community support. Um, now it's everything's very individual. I think it requires some restructuring of your life and requires a good amount of checking in with yourself during the day. Um, so most of us live in our brains. We don't live in our bodies. And during the day, 90% of the time we dissociate brain and body. So one of the very basic things that I start people with to start relearning how their body is experiencing the world is to set an alarm on your phone. And when the alarm goes off, you just simply have to take a couple of minutes, two minutes, 10 minutes, however long you feel like you can dedicate to it. Just close your eyes, take a couple of deep breaths and kind of tune in to what the body is experiencing. And most people have a huge wake up call that they notice that they're sucking in their stomach or their shoulders are up to their ears or they're really tense or they're angry about something, but they're trying to kind of dismiss that emotion. And that makes so much sense. And I feel like stress, just like everything else in our lives, so it, it should be really the 80-20 rule. And I feel like what we do is we go from being chronically stressed to then stressing ourselves out that we have to be unstressed. That That's a great tip. And you're going to try it every day of the week, month and year. But we have to also be aware that sometimes things come up and our lives are going to be more stressful than, you know, some moments will be more stressful, but it's okay as long as we have the tools to bring that, you know, stress level down and to manage it so that we're not leading ourselves to chronically high cortisol and then essentially unhealthy gut and then essentially, you know, we're unwell all the time. Is that basically what you're telling your patients? People always think, oh, you must just never experience stress because you've done all this work on yourself. And I'm like, of course I experience stress. I'm still a human living on planet Earth. It's just how I relate to the stress now. Now I know when it's happening. I know when I need to be more aware of my body and incorporate tools into my day. So it's not about eliminating stress. You're going to have stress the rest of your life. Um, it's about how you cope with it um, and how you manage it during the day. And don't let it just run free and, and sort of take over your life. So I'm going to give you a scenario. It's 3 p.m. And I'll use myself as an example. It's 3 p.m. I'm at work and suddenly I feel tired. I'm not focused and I'm unmotivated. Uh, what is going on and what can I do to maybe relieve that in the moment or prevent that so that it doesn't happen all the time? A couple of things to check in. One is uh, glucose. Um, a lot of, especially women, under eat. 
I would say 90% of people that come to me, I have them do a diet diary and they're not eating enough food for, for what their body needs. So I would look into under eating. Um, I would also look into whether you're having balanced meals or not, whether you're, you had a very carbohydrate heavy lunch and now you're kind of having that hypoglycemic crash afterwards. Um, so glucose is, would be number one in that scenario. Number two would be the cortisol spike issue where sometimes people have the huge spike in the morning and then they have this huge crash in mid afternoon where it just goes to, you know, basically zero and then they feel it and then they're tired. Maybe do some adrenal testing or simply just add minerals into your day or do some of those stress relieving tips to, to kind of maintain a cortisol level throughout the day. Uh, but those would be those would be the top two. And so, as a woman in the men the perimenopausal years, um, I find that you know we're supposed to eat you know whatever three good meals, balanced meals, lots of protein because the protein is really important in my age group. So in our forties, um, sometimes even earlier. I know women experience perimenopause you know in their late thirties, but. I have the tendency to, I don't have time most days of the week to sit down to my breakfast and my lunch. Breakfast isn't so bad, but my lunch during the day, but I need to eat. As you said, I have to make sure that I'm not eating too little. Is it, how bad is it that I'm eating a little bit at a time as opposed to sitting down and having a full meal? What is that doing to my glucose? And is that not good for me long-term? Yeah, it's not the best. Um, I really try to get people to carve the time out of their day to sit down and have a proper meal um, for that reason, but also for digestive function. Um, if you are snacking or eating really, really slowly, just, you know, kind of here and there throughout the day, um, the gut can't actually do its process. So, um, you know, this whole idea of eating small meals that was really popular for a while is the worst idea ever. <laughs> We're not meant to just eat all day long. Our stomachs don't work that way. Um, and about two hours, two to three hours after you eat, you have uh, this electrical impulse in the gut called the migrating motor complex. And that signals intestinal motility. So if you're continuously eating, then that process never happens and can lead to a lot of gut dysfunction, bacterial overgrowth uh, later on. So I try to get people to eat a very high quality, nutrient dense, three meals per day, and then maybe a small snack before bed if you have sort of glucose issues. And that's the best possible way to eat. If I'm, you know, at, at the point in my day where I'm feeling hungry, so I've had my solid lunch, healthy, lots of protein, my macros, my micros, and I need a snack later on, what is recommended as a snack? Should I have a protein rich snack? Should I have a carbohydrate rich snack? What, or a fat, you know, fat fueling snack? What is the best option? Probably a protein fat combination. But I would also argue if you're hungry two to three hours later, then you didn't eat enough lunch as much as you think that you did. So a breakfast should really carry you for four to five hours. A lunch should carry you for four to five hours. And then dinner should carry you up until you go to bed. There are some women that do really well on a on a bedtime snack, just something high protein, high fat, a little bit of Greek yogurt if dairy is tolerable, beef jerky, something like that, um, small but nutrient dense. 
Um, but for the most part, if you're eating enough at meals, you shouldn't be hungry two hours later. So I guess it's just me having uh, a craving of some sort at four o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) That could be too. Or your body's looking for a pickup because uh, your glucose is going down for some reason or your adrenals are going down. And so then the body signals, oh, we need fast glucose to get that energy back up. So that could be too. So I think what I'm going to do is have some water with some sea salt, and that should do the trick. (laughs) Lauren, thank you so much for joining me today. It was an absolute pleasure. I learned a lot, and I'm sure that listeners uh, will learn tons as well. But if they want to get a hold of you or follow you or learn more about you, how can they do that? Yeah, so I am on Instagram. That's where I put most of my information, and I'm at two purple carrots, T-W-O, purple carrots. My website is also twopurplecarrots.com. Um, I do have a clinic, although it, it will be closed for a few months. I'm going on maternity leave. <laughs> um, 34 weeks pregnant right now. Um, but that's where you can find me. That's awesome. And congratulations. Um, we will be watching you on Instagram and watching uh, the progression of baby to come. That's my show for this week. If you missed it, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and of course, Audible. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you all for listening. And I hope this helps you live your best life. The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at healthyplanetcanada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.